Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to FixNation.com. One more time. Oh, we have had a very eventful last 24 hours, to say the least. I spoke a couple days ago about racism, failed leadership, and inner-city poverty. And last night we had an all-too-familiar story play out. There's a situation between an African-American who was stopped by police, supposedly ran away from the police holding a gun. He was shot. He was dead. So that's what we know. What happens after that? The town of Milwaukee just explodes in rioting and, and looting and outrage. Okay. So we're just going to stop there for a minute and take a really big step back. This has happened way too often, and nobody has talked about the, what I call the root of the root. You've got to get down in the weeds and find out why towns all over America are so incredibly volatile at this moment in time. So that's where we're going. Because there are literally two separate issues right now. One is death of a black man by cop. And there's two sides to that story. Why did he run? Was the police over-aggressive or you know, over-responsive, etc.? The second issue is the, the ripple from that act and the explosion, the outrage, the, I'll call it the insanity that follows. Okay, so we're going to back up in time a long, long way, but I promise you we'll get back to this. Go back to my youth. There are a couple very important people to what molded me the person. I would think these people impacted all of you if you're of my age, around my age, in a similar way or, or in a potentially smaller or bigger way. First person, Jesse Owens. When I was young, one of the things that happened was I heard that story of Jesse Owens, Olympics, Hitler. Probably one of the bravest acts that impacted me. Now, I'm not an African-American man. I happen to be white. Immaterial, but to me it is material because people of all colors have wonderful things to offer us. And people of all colors can be destructive. There's good and bad everywhere. It's a matter of how you see it and how you handle it. Jesse Owens, decades ago, passed away. I saved his obituary. It was that important to me because this man showed me what courage was. Think about that day. Back, we're talking about the 1940s. Hitler rising up 
and being able to walk in on home turf where Hitler is, kick the crap out of everybody, and stand tall. He didn't take his posse. He didn't take an armed militia. They went in as a team, but that individual had to run that track and prove to the world through his performance that he deserved a spot on this planet. And it was probably the biggest loss of face for Hitler that was not a military act. To me, a wonderful moment in history. None of it involved violence, rioting, or looting. Gandhi changed a country and never lift a finger of violence. Martin Luther King, I have a dream, you kind of remember that? Spoke at a time when it wasn't comfortable to speak. Handled himself with class and dignity and nonviolence to send a message to rise above. All three of those people, in their own way, had a wonderful impact in our world, in our culture, in our history, at selling a very simple message. Use your, your actions. Use your voice. Use the right way to go get what you believe to be the right outcome done. Operate within the process to, in their own way, disrupt the very thing that's happening and overcoming against all odds. Why do I tell that story? Complete truth, by the way. Because that's called the leadership of our past. In the 1980s, Happened to know this person. She was dating a gangbanger. And she was going to have his kid. I asked why. Her answer was, I want something to remember him by. I want you to think about the lunacy of that. I want something to remember him by. Now, it might have been said in love. It might have been young love. But instead of one man who didn't have hope, joining a gang because it was the only avenue open to him. She, quote-unquote, was in love with him and wanted something to remember him by. So she was going to give up her own life and self-oppress herself to have a child out of wedlock that wouldn't have a father figure. By design, he'll be dead because he's a gangbanger. That was her thought. To be to be raised in poverty and oppression in a culture that was self-defeating. I want you to think about that insanity circle right there, because, by the way, it still exists today in a way. We'll get there. Let's go back to leadership for a minute. Leadership does one of two things. Leadership takes us out of the darkness into the light. 
because they sell the right message and move us to where we need to be. Or leadership abandons us and lets us find our way through painfully. And life in a vacuum like that usually goes sideways. It usually gets ugly. When you're left to your own devices, usually bad decisions get made, and the lack of leadership is actually, in fact, chaos. If you're not working with direction toward a common goal, you actually are festering a problem that will just continue to expand. And we're going to get there. I did a show a few, about a week ago, I want to say, and I was dealing with the um, National Urban League 40th anniversary, and they came out with a Main Street Marshall Plan. I agree with the premise. I agree with the goals. I do not agree with the how of getting there. And I'll get that in a, in a split second because it really, really relates to this very this common message. The premise was we've spent trillions of dollars over decades, and the inner city minority poverty hasn't changed. The bar hasn't moved. The needle hasn't moved. Agree. I think we'd all agree with that. But in the solution that was the new Marshall Plan, the new Main Street Marshall Plan, there's a lot of big government spend trillions embedded in it. And I ask a very obvious question, and this is not an attack in any way. We need to solve it. But if you agree that trillions over decades didn't move the needle, why do you want to spend trillions over the next decades? Isn't that a little bit of insanity? Isn't that a little, a little you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again, yet expecting a different result? I don't understand that. Change the path. Change what makes it up so we can change the outcome and, in fact, deal with the poverty piece. Get minorities to a better place. But that takes leadership. And I'm going to go right to the top for a split second because it's important. Seven and a half years, almost eight years of President Obama, the first African-American president we've ever had on the planet, well, in the U.S., you're dealing with someone who's doesn't beat the drum about criminal justice reform and the need for that. He doesn't deal with inner city poverty. Think about what you're going to remember him for, his legacy, Obamacare, right up there. Absolutely, climate change, he's always beating the drum on that, and gun control possibly. These are, these are, these are sound bites and snippets. These are pieces you're going to remember about him. How come, riddle me this, that we just finally, the House Judiciary Committee, just finally comprised a criminal justice reform committee in mid-July, like less than 30 days ago, to deal with criminal justice reform seven and a half years after the very guy got elected? Where was the leadership, the unity? to bring the parties together to agree that this is a common issue. And we're going to get back to that in a minute, because it's important about what happened in Milwaukee. Because there are a lot of things that make up what happened 
in all these situations, Milwaukee, etc. You have a lot of frustration, and they come from different angles, but there's a whole group that makes, makes, uh, comes together that impacts this culture, this world. Education, number one in the world in spending dollars on it. Number 25 to 30 in the outcome of what we get. Insanity. Trillions spent, decades of failure, horrible outcome, specifically inner cities, which means the kids aren't ready, the kids can't get jobs, and failure repeats itself. Yet nobody addresses the root of the root. Criminal justice. The system is probably flawed when you have one out of three African-American males goes to jail in their lifetime. They're not born evil. There's no difference between white or black or Hispanic or Asian when they're born. They're a child of God if you believe in God, and I do. And everything from that moment on is development, nurturing, coaching, growing, insulating, protecting, strengthening, opening doors, mentoring toward the person that he or she will be, or lack thereof, if you don't have the culture around the child to grow it the right direction. But if you don't change the criminal justice package, if you don't go to the root of the root, you're going to have a lot of frustration. That needs sentencing change. It needs police education. It needs communication between communities and police to establish trust. You cannot believe the police are there to kill you. You need to believe the, believe the police are there to serve and protect and to help you against the very element within your culture that is there to harm you and bring you down and to crash your world and to burn and loot and be vigilant as opposed to respect the death of someone of their own. There's no version where a man is shot that looting or rioting and running with beer cases or toilet paper out of a CVS or a gas station is good for the person who was shot, that represents them well, that is healthy. It's using a horrible action, a horrible death for selfish gain because you're an immature person that doesn't have another release. I'm going to go back to education for one split second, tell you a true story. went to a school, my high school had about 3,000 kids in it. But there was also another, I'll call it school. And if you had an issue, socially, that is, you didn't get to go to the mainstream, mainstream school. You got pulled out of the mass population and sent to this school. Now, it's not socially because of your race or gender. That's not what I said. You were pulled because you couldn't operate within the realm of normalcy. And back in that day, if you were a girl who got pregnant, you weren't allowed in the mass population. You were pulled. If you got into fights, you were pulled. If you were disruptive and misbehaved, you got pulled. 
Now, it doesn't mean you didn't get an education, because everyone has the right to that. We're all going to agree on that. But what happens is, you have a school of 3,000. Let's pretend you have 100 kids in there that are just socially wrong. They can't hold their ground. They're disruptive. They're fighters. They're intimidators. They might be in gangs or not, but they might just be disruptive youths. That 100 has friends. So now you have to about 500. Now the 500 has a, a sizable chunk of the mass population. There's a whole bunch of kids in school that are not nearly strong enough to hold off against that. So now they are affected by the 500. That's the negative ripple, ripple from that my, microscopic chunk of the mass population. So what happened? They pulled them out, and those 100 got their education, but off-site at different, a physically different location. So the 2,900 that were left didn't have the problem children. They had a good life. They had a secure, structured environment to grow in. They didn't have to worry, for the most part, about people who were there for bad reasons that operated out of the social norm. And they got to grow and learn and bond in a healthy, structured environment. See, I think we've gone in, insane when it comes to education today in America. I think we spend so much money and we're so worried about the social impact. Like, well, he has a right to an education. I don't care little Johnny pulled a knife on his teacher. Let's get him back in school. He has a right to that. And little Johnny sits there and smiles at that very teacher and says, that's right. I run this school. And every kid in that class understands, that's right, Johnny runs this class. Now, Johnny, the knife puller, because he has a right to an education, just affected the security and the comfort of that. And if you're a kid, you can't confront Johnny. You'll die. You need someone to be bigger and put you in a situation to succeed and protect you from that very situation. So now let's go back to Milwaukee and kind of bring it all together. So if you have a culture of criminal justice that's, quote-unquote, unfair, and minorities feel they are absolutely targeted, and once you go to jail with recidivism, you absolutely go back to jail. That's just how the math works, because our criminal justice system is broken. What we have tried over decades doesn't work well. We need prison reform, because what we do doesn't work. There are multiple countries all over the globe that are trying different ways to get reformed, alternative incarceration. Because the more you pull people out of ma the main uh, population and incarcerate them and then just dump them back in with scars all over them emotionally and mentally. They can't produce productively. So they go back to what they know, which is crime. And they end up right back in because they don't have the tools to succeed or the understanding to operate in mainstream America. What a horribly futile act that is. But yet we do it over and over and over again. We shouldn't give criminals a pass. But we need to differentiate because what brought them there? 
if you're inner city right now today, you're talking about 19.6% poverty, not poverty, um, unemployment. Really? So under the very watch of the first African-American president, the people left behind are in fact his very people, the African-American community at 19.6%. While Hillary Clinton and Obama and all the decades of money help the top 1% and 2%, it helps the Wall Street, it helps the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, it helps foreigners, it doesn't help the very people that they stand and say they represent. Their policies actually oppress and give handouts as opposed to give them a way to get out of the very poverty that exists by giving them a hand up. You cannot raise taxes on the rich, make government bigger, employ more regulation, increase regulation, and think that's going to solve it. We've been there, done that. It's what's happened for decades. The leadership vacuum has not been there to change the very dynamic. And although Trump is very awkward digest, and I am not on the Trump train, what he's actually trying to pull off is against the very elitist that have benefited by decades. That 1%, 2% of Wall Street has given $48 million to Hillary and $19,000 to Donald Trump. I want you to think about that when you, when you just are up, just insane upset about Wall Street got benefit and Main Street didn't. Think about who represents Wall Street. That's Hillary Clinton. Why do they want her so bad? Because she's the status quo. She's going to keep their gravy train rolling along. And by default, who will be left behind yet again in the very Democrat policies of big government? Right. Minorities. Left again to the rhetoric of today. Talks cheap. Actions speak louder than words. And we need leadership at the top who's going to change the dynamic to raise the economy, and that rising tide will, in fact, raise all boats, specifically targeting inner city. Listen to my show from a couple days ago. There's a plan to be made to deal with inner city minority poverty. There absolutely is. And Donald Trump is halfway there to getting it done. But yet the very minorities that he's willing to help can't hear him because the leadership that they listen to tells them that he's a racist. Well, think about it. Immigrants, he wants to throw everybody else out. He wants to build the wall. It sounds racist. It's not, by the way. When you build the wall, you keep out the illegal immigrant flow. You could increase the legal flow. We should have open borders when people play by the rules. Absolutely. It's not racist. It's simply enforcing the laws that are there. And that's literally what the, 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 
commander-in-chief's job is. You are the chief law enforcement officer in the country. Your job, in fact, is to enforce the rules. Because the only thing that separates us from civilization and uncivilization is, in fact, law and order. Which goes back to Milwaukee. When's the last time you heard the president lay down the law and say, absolutely not? Go home, be with your families, mourn and have your voice, but absolutely not riot, absolutely not loot. We will not tolerate that. We will stand behind our police, but we will deal with the outcome that is and make sure it's fair and just for all. Nope, you'll never hear it. Because just like Nero, he's going to play the, fear, the, the fiddle while Rome burns. Right? He hasn't dealt with it in seven and a half years. Why would he speak up now? Because, again, it comes back to this. What you want to do if you're on his side of it, you want to stir the pot because the emotions running high mean they'll vote. If the emotions run high, they'll donate. They'll coalesce. They'll be active. And that sounds really good except for two things. He doesn't want to fix it, and the people you put in office give you the illusion, the false hope, and then this kind of decay simply continues. And like a drought in the West, the forests get dry. And when you have a forest that's dry, and you get a little itty-bitty spark, it ends up as a raging forest fire that destroys thousands and thousands and thousands of acres and homes and businesses and all for horrible reasoning. Socially, when you talk about Milwaukee, there are two issues. Police shot a black man running away with a gun. That's all we know. We don't even know if he's a black policeman or a white policeman. We know nothing about him. If he's white, is that a race issue? What if he's black? Does that mean it's not a race issue? Or is it not a race issue at all? It's just simply a police versus black man running away. That's the issue. But there's a whole lot of race in here. And all major cities are really, really pent up right now. And that's why over the course of the last year or two, you've seen a recurring, recurring saga Yet here's the weird part. Now that we have Black Lives Matter rising up, where are they speaking out about like deaths in Chicago and things of that nature? How come all lives don't matter? How come they're not finding a voice that's constructive and inclusive as opposed to destructive and divisive? I absolutely will stand and absolutely back up anybody who organizes and demonstrates properly, who has the freedom of expression, and absolutely has a right to use that. At no point in time, at no point in time, should violence, rioting, looting, be condoned or silently approved. And that's leadership. It takes strength. Stand there and be brave in the face of adversity. Jesse Owens type of brave. Martin Luther King type of brave. Gandhi type of brave. Where is that leadership today that don't have a foundation that they make money off of, that don't stir the pot and get emotional about it, that don't have a political gain 
actually working in their agenda? Where is that leadership of today, that unifier, that passive, strong, unifying voice to help fix and address this issue? Because if you don't address it, it will only continue. And that's the challenge. And the sad part is Hillary Clinton's Clinton's, uh, policies will be more of the same, more oppression, more inner-city poverty, more minority frustration, and that's destructive for all of us, specifically for them. You need someone to come in and change what is and go a different path. And change is awkward. I get that. But if you can get past the personalities, strictly at the policies, there is no deciding who's right and wrong. But someone needs to deal with the reality check of the racism, of minorities, of poverty, and change that equation so they slash we can all be better off. My hearts are out for all those in Milwaukee. But be brave. Be passive. Use your voice. But don't loot and don't riot. It's un-American, and it's against everything that that death represents. Again, this is FixNation.com. Check out the website. You can read or hear a lot of what I just spoke about. We need to change America and reset on a lot of issues. That's why election of 2018 matters. But use some common sense. Think it through. Think about what's actually helped or hurt. God bless America.